but the sound equipment's still good, so we're all right. How are you guys this morning? Good to see you. Beautiful day. It's been a beautiful weekend. I don't know what you guys did. I um, went to a family reunion with dear family that I haven't seen since before COVID, and so that was just, that was a blessing. And so I was very thankful for that, and um, thankful for to be here. I have a couple questions for you guys to start out with. The first one is, what is the hardest thing you've ever had to forgive? Don't say anything to anybody, but just think in your head, what is the hardest thing you have ever had to forgive? Do you have it in your head? How about this one? What is the hardest thing you've been forgiven of? And when I ask those questions, which one is easier to come up with the answer for? What you've forgiven or what you've been forgiven of? We have um, been asking God to deepen our desire to pray and to teach us how to pray more effectively. And so we've been studying the Lord's Prayer and we've been going line by line through the Lord's Prayer. And this week we are on the line about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Some translations will say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then in the very next verse, Jesus says this. At the end of the prayer, he gives this instruction. He says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And he goes on. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Those are powerful words. It's a powerful promise linked to a powerful warning. Right? Yes. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That means no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. No matter how heinous the crime, you can be forgiven. It is an amazing and life-giving promise. In 1 John, verses 1, 8 through 9, it says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You do not have to earn a clean slate with God. Jesus already did that. All you have to do is confess that you've sinned. If you think you haven't sinned, the only person you're fooling is yourself. We've all sinned. 
But if we confess it, God will forgive us. And he gives us that clean slate. So there's hope. There's always hope. No matter what is in your past, there is hope for a second chance, for new life empowered by God's Spirit. However, he also says, if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. You see, forgiveness is not about what others have done to you. It's about what God has done for you. And that's the perspective we need to have. Jesus elaborates on this a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 18. Why don't you go ahead and turn over to Matthew 18, verse 21. Matthew... Uh, chapter 18, Jesus has been teaching, and I love the beginning of this chapter because the disciples come and they say, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And he looks around and he says, oh, well, if you want to be great, you have to be like this little child right here. It's about humility. Amen. And he instantly turns their pride <laughs> To humility. And then he starts talking about how make sure you do not hinder any of these little ones. And as he talks about that, Peter then asks the question in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus is pointing out little children and saying, don't harm the little children and children forgive each other and say, you know, and Peter is there. His brother is also one of Jesus's disciples, <laughs> probably standing very close. And he says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times, you know, and Jesus is just like, oh, man. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations will say 70 times, seven times. Like, come on, Peter. And then Jesus tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. That's worth a few million dollars today. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and, and I will pay you back everything. Can he pay him back? Nah, he's never going to be able to pay this back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii is about a, worth a nickel. So you're talking about five bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed 
And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What does it mean to forgive? To forgive from your heart. Well, first of all, it means being humble. Realizing that before God, we're like the servant who owned a million dollars. God has just forgiven us time and time again. We can't even keep track of all the things that God has forgiven us of. Amen. And it's having gratitude for God's generous forgiveness and ingratitude, wanting just to extend that same generosity and forgiveness to others. Just like in Jesus' story, it's realizing that compared to the millions of things that God has forgiven us for, what that one person did to us is like nickels. That's hard. Because when somebody you trust betrays you or hurts you, it doesn't feel like nickels. It feels like injustice. Injustice that needs to be paid for. And God agrees. God is very clear in his word that injustice needs to be paid for but he is the one who decides how the injustice will be paid for there's a lot of myths about forgiveness and so i want to go through some of the myths and then just some practical advice and tips on how do we actually forgive because sometimes it's easy sometimes it's not so easy let's be honest right all right so the first myth And we're going to be skipping around scripture because there's lots of different verses that talk about forgiveness. So I will have them on the screen for you so you don't have to, you know, be going all over the place in your Bible. Okay, but the first myth is that forgiveness is minimizing someone's wrongdoing. It's not. In Jesus' story, the king didn't say, oh, your debt's no big deal. It was a huge deal. It's precisely because the wrongdoing is a huge deal that it needs forgiveness. If it wasn't a big deal, it wouldn't need to be forgiven. In the Bible, the word that's used here, forgiveness, this part of the Bible is written in Greek. And so the Greek word that we translate into English, forgiveness, that Greek word, it literally means to release or to let go. It doesn't mean to make smaller or to cover up. So we don't minimize, we don't cover up the hurt someone's caused. We let it go. We release it. When I was growing up, um, my brother and I would fight sometimes, you know. (laughs) Um, And so my parents would always have us apologize and they worked on 
us, teaching us how to make sincere apologies, you know, not just the ones, I'm sorry, because you say it because your parents make you say it, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, sometimes the other one, sometimes it was my brother, sometimes it was me, would be like, it's okay. And my parents would say, no, don't say that, because it's not okay. What they did was not okay. They know it's not okay, and they don't need you to lie to them. What they need is forgiveness. So you say, I forgive you, because that sets you free. It sets the other person free. You release your anger. You release carrying around that hurt, just reminding yourself of how badly you've been wronged. You can't live that way. So you release it and you let it go. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. This is a really interesting verse because it indicates that you can be angry and not sin. There are times when anger is justified. When you've been hurt, it's okay to be angry. But in your anger, don't sin. Don't lash out. And process it. Process it with God, the other person. Don't take it to bed with you. Don't go to bed angry. Because that gives the devil a foothold in your life. When we hold on to anger, it just becomes this root of bitterness in us. It begins to poison us. We become cynical. We have trouble trusting people. We get grumpy and take it out on people for no good reason. We get ulcers, depression. It poisons us. Amen. Don't go to bed angry. Check out what it says in Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness just means that we're set apart and we're specifically set apart for God. Set apart means we're not supposed to be like everybody else. We live in a world where people are so quick to get offended right now. So quick to ridicule anyone who thinks differently than them. That's not us. We're supposed to be peacemakers. See to it. That no one falls short of the grace of God and no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we have a bitter root in our life, it not only poisons us, it hurts people around us too. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I had a friend who... I really enjoyed playing euchre with. I don't know if we have any euchre players in the house, but I am one. And all right, I see a few. Yes, and I love to play euchre with her. She was, you know, fun and smart and, you know, how it is when you have your partner and it just works well. But um, she kind of had this edge to her. I, you know, just she had this edge. And as I got to know her better, she opened up and there was this past hurt in her life that she had just never gotten over. And I talked to her about it because I could tell it just was hindering her from enjoying life to the fullest. And she was adamant, no, I'm never going to forget that person. I just, I'm not going to. She just would not forgive. 
So after a few years of getting to know her, I also got to know her adult children. And um, her eldest daughter was living with a guy who, who would abuse her. And so she asked me, she goes, will you go talk to my daughter? People do this to pastors. <laughs> like, you know, like, will you go talk to her and help her get out of this relationship? And I'm like, if she wants to talk to me, I'll talk to her. And she did, and so we met twice. And um, the second time I met with her, I, I was encouraging her, you know, to leave this guy who was hurting her, and she also had a child. And, um, and she said, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going to go. And I said, well, your mom said you can go back with her and live with her. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And she's like, what are you talking about? My mother is the whole reason I'm with that guy. I had to get out of her house. Her anger destroyed my life. And I was just shocked, you know, because this is my friend and I didn't want to believe it. But over the next year, all of her adult children said pretty much the exact same thing to me. Unforgiveness poisons our life and also the lives of the people around us, the innocent people around us. There's a saying To forgive is to set a prisoner free and then realize the prisoner is you. We have to release the anger so we can be free. However, with forgiveness, you're not just releasing your anger so you can be free. You are also releasing that other person. You're releasing their debt so they can be free. So they don't have to walk around with this feeling of shame and that they are indebted and and they can never make it up to you. And you release them so they have a chance at a fresh start. And why do we do this? Do we do it because they deserve it? No. No. We do it because when God forgave us, we didn't deserve it. Forgiveness is not about what has been done to us, but what about what God has done for us. That's forgiveness. And in gratitude, extending that forgiveness to others. Now, that doesn't mean justice won't ever be done. That's that's another myth. Uh, Romans 12, 17 through 19 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, sometimes it's not possible, but as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We release the person to God. And we trust that God will bring judgment in his timing, either through that person's life circumstances, through governing authorities, if that is the issue at hand, and always at the judgment at the end of time, the last judgment. And hopefully that person will will choose God and choose the mercy 
that he offers. And if not, then they face the consequences. But we trust God to do what is best. There's another myth. That forgiveness means you have to trust the person again. This is not true. Forgiveness does not equal trust. Notice in Jesus' story, the king, he cancels the debt, but he does not loan that servant any more money, right? He doesn't say, oh, you owe millions of dollars. Okay, I'm going to cancel it, and now you're broke, so okay, well, here's a $50 loan. He doesn't do that. Sometimes forgiveness leads to full trust and reconciliation, but sometimes forgiveness leads to setting up healthy boundaries in our relationships. We release the anger, we release the, you owe me, but we can still set up healthy boundaries with people. So how do we do this? How do we actually forgive? Well, the first step you've already heard about, it's to change our perspective, to go from how we are viewing it to how God views it. We are focused on what that person has done to us, but instead we focus on what God has done for us. When Peter asks how often he should forgive his brother, he's focused on what? Everything his brother has done wrong. <laughs> And Jesus just flips it. It's like, okay, let me tell you this story, Peter, about how God has forgiven you. We need God's perspective on the issue. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's fairly easy to change from just viewing what that person has done wrong to thinking about God um, in his perspective. Because what happened is fairly trivial. You know, First Peter 4.8, it says, Love covers over a multitude of sins. People have bad days, they have bad moments, and and we can excuse and kind of overlook some of those things. But there are times when the offense is more than trivial. When maybe it's an ongoing thing, and it needs a discussion to be resolved. And Matthew, Jesus tells us about how to have these discussions. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 He says, therefore, if you're going to church, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift to the Lord. If you know someone is upset with you, Maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you don't really think you did anything wrong. They just get offended too easily, you know. Before you come to church, you're supposed to go and be reconciled with that person. Jesus talks about again in Matthew 18, the same chapter that the story of the king and the servant is in. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. This time Jesus is saying, hey, if they've sinned against you. So it doesn't matter if you've hurt someone and they're mad at you or someone has hurt you and you're mad at them. Either way, you have to go. You have to make the first move. It is up to you. 
and you go first alone. Not after you've ranted to a bunch of people or gossiped or bring along some people for moral support. You go first alone with a heart geared at reconciling. And that's a lot easier to do if we have God's perspective on it. Um, I'm I'm blessed in my marriage. I'm very blessed. Um, Eric and I get along very well. In our early days of marriage, we had some fights. And um, I'd get angry, and I'd go in the bedroom, and I would just say, Lord, give me your perspective on this situation. Help me see this as you do, because right now, he's wrong. (laughs) But Lord, help me to see it like he sees it and understand where he's coming from. Help me see what my part is in this argument. And right away, God would start to answer that prayer, and that thoughts would start coming to my head. And sometimes I'm like, no, but he's wrong, you know. Because <laughs> I would just didn't want to let go of my anger quite so quickly, you know. And take a deep breath. Okay, God, help me to listen to you. Help me to see my part in it. Help me understand where he's coming from. And he would. God would help me. And it doesn't, it didn't mean I always took the blame for everything. It didn't mean I became a doormat. It just allowed me to own my own part in the argument. And also empathize with where Eric was coming from. You know, we can empathize with people when they're dead wrong. Because we've all been dead wrong before, right? You've been there. You can empathize with that. And when we truly empathize with someone, they sense it, and their defenses come down. And then they're more likely to own their own part, too. So that's a prayer that's really helped me. Lord, help me see the situation as you do. Now, in cases of abuse and deep betrayal by a loved one. The amount of reconciliation that can happen through a conversation is limited. And that's something to be worked through with a good Christian counselor. Yeah. Sometimes the closer the person is to us, the deeper the hurt, and the more we need someone to speak into our lives and help us with our perspective. If a person, if they're not willing to take responsibility for their abusive behavior, or maybe they do admit to it and they say, I'm sorry, but they are unable to change their behavior, those are times we need to start setting up boundaries. And healing from that kind of betrayal or that kind of trauma, it can take months, it can take years. And sometimes we think we've forgiven. And then all of a sudden there are these moments where we start reliving the trauma or the betrayal and angry thoughts start coming back. And 
I've had one of those kinds of circumstances in my life. And in those times, I would say, Lord, give me your forgiveness for them. Because I don't have it. I am just human. (laughs) I do not have God's unlimited capacity for forgiveness. So God, give me your forgiveness for them. And that was a healing prayer in my life. It allowed me to heal, set healthy boundaries, learn, and move on. So those are two prayers, just practical prayers. Lord, help me see this situation as you do. And Lord, give me your forgiveness for them. There is a lot more in the Bible about how to reconcile how to have healthy boundaries and relationships, uh, more than we can cover today. Today we're focused more just on forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply your heart's attitude toward someone. Whether you're carrying anger and resentment, or whether you have let that go. And in the best cases, forgiveness leads to full trust and reconciliation. But sometimes full reconciliation is not possible. But full forgiveness is always possible. Is always possible. No matter the status of the relationship. Sometimes the person we need to forgive is ourselves. Because we've done something... Wrong that has hurt people, and we just beat ourselves up for that. Sometimes it's not something we did wrong. It's just something we did that was really foolish and hurt ourselves or hurt others. Uh, Last week, I told you how over 20 years ago, when I was in college, I made the mistake of revolving my life around my boyfriend at that time. And um, when it finally came time for me to do something for myself, I was going to go and do my internship in Florida. He replaced me. And um, that just led to a time of deep loneliness and having to depend on God and drawing close to God. What I didn't tell you is that I didn't really learn my lesson that well the first time. And a year and a half later, I started dating him again. And the same thing happened again. Yeah, I got a letter in the mail that he was getting married in a month. And I didn't even know. He was engaged. And I had some anger issues. Um, But it was actually easier for me to work through my anger against him than my anger for myself. Because I thought, how could you be so stupid? To fall for this twice. And not only that, I knew better. And I realized I had made this guy an idol in my life. And I had put him before my relationship with God. And I knew better. I I grew up a pastor's kid. I had known God all my life. God had 
been faithful to me my entire life. He had saved my life on more than one occasion. He'd rescued me. And here I put this guy who was completely unfaithful before my God who was always faithful. And I knew better. And I would just beat myself up about that. And one day I read in his word, my grace is sufficient for you. And I realized that God had forgiven me. And he had declared, you know, Christ died for you and the shedding of his blood covered all your sins. He paid the price for you. And I was saying, no, God, you're wrong. What I did was unforgivable. It was so dumb and stupid. And I was putting myself above God. If God says this is true, I was saying, no, this is true. I was making myself a judge above God. And that scared me when I realized it. And I repented. And ever since then, I accepted his grace and his forgiveness. And I healed. I learned my lesson. I never made that mistake again. (laughs) And about four years later, God blessed me with Eric. Who unfortunately is not here today. He's leading worship at your sister Wesleyan Church in, in Jackson, Michigan, Encounter. But I often thought, man, if I knew God had Eric waiting for me, I would have never messed around with that other clown. Oh, my goodness. But we all make mistakes. And we need to receive God's grace so we can learn from them and we can move on. Forgiveness is not about what you have done. It's not about what others have done to you. It's about what God has done for you. I want to end with just a time of prayer and reflection and listening to God, all right? So if you'll close your eyes, I'll lead us in in just listening to God on some of these things. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are merciful and that you are faithful to forgive us. When we confess our sins to you, God, we thank you that there is no end to your forgiveness and your mercy, that it is not limited and that you do not hold grudges. We thank you for that. God, your word says, search my heart, O Lord, and see if there be any offensive way in me. God, we pray right now that you will search our hearts. And reveal to us if there is any unforgiveness and any bitterness that is lingering in our in us, Lord. Bring to our minds if there's anyone that we have offended or hurt, Lord. 
And now, God, we just ask that you will help us see that situation as you do. God, help us to understand that other person better and where they are coming from. God, we pray that you'll help us understand ourselves better. Why we do what we do, what we said or did that we could have done better, Lord. God. We pray now that you will show us how to approach that other person. How to have that conversation with them where we own our own part in what we did wrong. But we are also honest about how what they did affected us. God, give us wisdom in knowing how to have those conversations. Lastly, God, I I pray that you give us courage. Courage to go to the other person. Courage to have the open and honest conversation. Courage to face what we've buried within ourselves. And God, courage to set up the boundaries, the healthy boundaries that we may need to set up. God, we thank you that when we lack wisdom, we can ask of you and you will give it to us generously without finding fault in us. And we pray, God, that when we ask you for your wisdom, that we will believe what you tell us and not doubt it. That we will know that we know that we've heard from you. God, give us neon blinking signs. Make it obvious what we should do. And give us the courage to follow. Will you please stand with me? And we'll end by saying the Lord's Prayer together. The worship team can come on forward. Our Father in heaven. Holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in us 
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.